Hello and welcome to Earth Matters, bringing you environmental news from all around the world with a social justice focus. I'm Michaela Stubbs, and today we'll be speaking with Martin Baker from the Greenpeace Coal and Water Project about the report released last week titled The Great Water Grab, How the Coal Industry is Deepening the Global Water Crisis. With coal already accounting for around 70% of water withdrawal globally, a number that is set to double if proposed plants are built, the report finds that around half of coal plants are in water-stressed areas and a quarter in areas that are already suffering from an overdraw of water. They hope that the report will exert extra pressure with decision-makers and investors. Well, there's been a lot of activity on coal over the last week, with two actions by Frontline Action on Coal activists, which have shut down coal trains over the long weekend. On Friday, March 25th, a woman occupied a coal line, stopping trains from entering the coal export terminal at Kooragang Island in Newcastle. And at Willow Tree in New South Wales also, on the 29th of March, three activists occupied a train carrying coal, effectively stopping the supply from pit to port. They have taken a stand to preserve the remaining ecosystems and Aboriginal sacred sites in the Laird State Forest, where the Moles Creek Mine is situated. In a press release, they stated, We are calling for an end to the coal industry and a shift into renewable energy sources, stating that the coal industry and the Moles Creek Mine are detrimental to the environment, the Aboriginal cultural heritage of the local Gomorrah Nation, native wildlife, ecology, water resources and community health. And also over the last weekend, in a major blow to the proposed Adani coal mine in Queensland's Galilee Basin, the traditional owners of the area, the Wangan and Jagalingu people, voted for a third time to reject a land deal with Indian giant Adani. Spokesperson Adrian Baragara said, Our people voted unanimously at an authorisation meeting to reject Adani's repackaged deal and to condemn them for falsely representing the position of the Wangan and Jangalingu people. We confirm that no further negotiations with Adani will take place. This follows previous votes rejecting the mine in 2012 and 2014. And at the same time, Queensland Mines Minister Anthony Lynham and Premier Anastasia Palasek and the Environment Minister last week gave bipartisan support for a motion backing the development of the mine. Spokesperson Marawa Johnson said, Now, the only responsible course of action left to Mines Minister Anthony Lynham is to rule out issuing mining leases for Carmichael. Our internationally recognised legal rights include the right to free, prior and informed consent. We have not given our consent and we will not be bullied into giving it. I'll bring you more updates on these mines and the actions around them in future shows. But let's now go to an interview with Martin Baker on the Great Water Grab. My name is Martin Baker. I work for Greenpeace. International and the Coal and Water Project is a report that we've been that Greenpeace has been working on for the past year and a half to two years. It's taken so long because it's very complicated research. It's the first coal plant by coal plant analysis of um, of coal's 
usage of water globally. So to, to our to our knowledge, that's the first time that this has been this has been done. That said, it's it's based on data from World Resources Institute mapping of global coal plants. So we've we've worked with a um, an engineering consultancy uh, specialising in climate and energy in the Netherlands um, to do this coal, uh, this coal plant by coal plant analysis. So um, I mean, what what the report has shown us is that you know in particular regions uh, where there's already water stress, the, this is a this is becoming a real problem, and it creates. Conflicts with uh, farmers in India, for instance, and in and in China, two of the hardest hit countries by coal's water usage. Mm. And the report looks at all the projected coal-fired power plants that are are due to be built, and I'm wondering where are those major areas of growth, and what are water impacts in those areas in particular? Yes, that, that's correct. So it looks at the water usage by existing coal plants, and then um, because there are plans, you unbelievably there are plans for, for quite a large expansion in in coal power globally. Um, we've also looked at the impact of um, the water usage of the proposed plants added to the existing plants, and what we found is that. The maps that we've used in the report, they, they use the locations of the existing and the proposed coal plants, and that overlays um, a map of what's called global baseline water stress, and, and that's a mapping of all of the already water-stressed areas by, in different categories, and this is what we've got from World Resources Institute. And the river basins that are most impacted, we found from our report, are, are, for instance, the Yellow River and its tri- some of its tributaries in, in northern China, and also some of the major river systems in some Indian states like Maharashtra, for instance, where there's a huge plan for coal expansion. You know, and we, we've published this report um, as a way to put pressure on both the energy and the water policy makers you know, to demonstrate some joined-up thinking, because unbelievably, you know, when when a coal plant is proposed, uh, there are there, there may well be environmental impact assessments, you know, by law in many countries, but water usage is not a big part of that, and we're saying that it should be. But before uh, coal plants are proposed, and we don't think any should be proposed, because there are uh, viable alternatives that are less water-intensive, like different kinds of renewable energy. But a first basic step is the proposed coal plants to, to have a, an impact assessment of their projected water usage. Yeah, absolutely. What sort of ways will this report uh, be used? Like, what's the next step with this project? Right, well, yeah, thanks. Um, I mean, the first, this is a first big step. It's a global report. Um, then, of course... You know, uh, we'll be following up um, in the most impacted countries with running through national analyses. So, particularly for for uh, countries like India and and for for China, um, and also another follow up is we're we're also doing a, a financial 
um, analysis, given that there are so many stories around about divestments from coal. Any large-scale investor that's looking to invest in power generation technologies like coal, obviously more and more nowadays, and thankfully, um, needs to look at the, uh, the environmental impacts as part of the risk assessment. So this is what we're going to be, this is another thing we're going to be following up with. I mean, there are already uh, so many arguments for not using coal and instead for switching to renewable energy whilst phasing out coal, because it can't be done overnight, of course. The biggest risk to the proposed new fleet of coal plants comes from themselves, you know, it's self-inflicted, because um, already, I don't know if you saw a few weeks ago, there were stories about power plants uh, in some Indian states closing down because of water shortages. So if these proposed power plants go ahead, are, are they going to be able to operate? Mm. Is there anything else that you wanted to add? Just to summarise, what we're asking for is the first step you know, to include a comprehensive assessment of potential water use for any coal plant before it's given its licence. Um, secondly, to phase out the plants that have already hit 40 years of operation because they're ready to re- be replaced anyway um, and the time obviously is right then not to the local community into another 40 years of draining the local water resources. Uh, In addition to uh, pumping CO2 into the atmosphere and polluting the local environment, thirdly, to continue the large-scale investment in renewable energy. For the first time, I think, this year, the investments going into renewable energy are greater than those going into the dirty polluting industries that we used to generate our power in the past. So, you know, that's a reality and there's no excuse to continue putting large amounts of money into, into coal power. And, and the water usage of coal power is, 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 well, we'd like to see it as a nail in the coffin um, uh, for, for using coal as, as, as a power, you know, to get our electricity. That was Martin Baker from Greenpeace's Coal and Water Project and the report can be found online. You can either do a web search for the Great Water Grab or go to greenpeace.org and look under the climate campaign. If you want to find out more about local actions on coal, go to frontlineaction.org and to hear more about traditional owners rejecting the Adani coal mine, you can go to Wanganjagalingu, that's W-A-N-G-A-N-J-A-G-A-L-I-N-G-O-U.com.au. And we'll come back to hear some audio I recorded at an action on the Trans-Pacific Partnership Agreement last week. But first, here's an excerpt of Shane Howard's If the Well Runs Dry. Live 
time We'll pass away This world Might not be here to stay So much Already been and gone You're listening to Earth Matters around the country on the Community Radio Network. And on my last Earth Matters show, I was looking at the case of Oceana Gold versus El Salvador, where an Australian mining company is trying to sue for over $300 million because the government of El Salvador stood with its people and refused to approve a toxic gold mining project in the headwater of its major river and drinking water supply. This is exactly the kind of case that we could see a lot more of if the Trans-Pacific Partnership Agreement that was signed early this year gets passed by the Senate. Last week, I recorded this action at an agribusiness breakfast in Melbourne, where former Trade Minister Andrew Robb, who was responsible for negotiating the deal, was giving an address. Let's hear from a couple of the speakers. We have Kevin Bracken from the Maritime Union of Australia, MCing, and I'll let him introduce the other voices. Morning, everyone. It's great to see some alert people out at this early hour of the morning. And uh, we know why we're here, but what is the idea of loudspeaker is let other people in the city know what's going on. And you won't find out what's going on by reading the Herald Sun or the mainstream media because what they're trying to do is allow a takeover of the of this country by foreign corporations. This TPP is not about trade. Of all the 30 chapters of the TPP, only five of them concern trading goods. What it's about is installing monopoly rights for foreign corporations and giving investor rights the ability to sue our government. By signing on to these ISDS clauses, if we make any laws, you know, to improve the health or welfare and social being of our people, we can be taken to a court in the World Bank and sued by a foreign corporation. If the implementing legislation gets signed in, then they will have that ability to do that. So we've got a number of speakers here this morning, um, speaking about various aspects of it. We've got someone who wants to speak, and that's Jessica Harrison from the GM Free Alliance of Australia. Thanks a lot, Jessica. Thanks for having me. Uh, Yeah, I came up from Gippsland this morning because um, I'm very stirred up about the TPP for all the reasons mentioned before, the attack on unions and the attack on... um, on sort of really making... smoothing a way for the capitalists to move people around the world to their whim... But I'm stirred up because Monsanto are very involved with this TPP process. Monsanto, famous for GM crops, but also Roundup, which a lot of workers are actually using. 
unaware of the fact that it's been now classified as a probable carcinogen. So what we know now is that the GM lobby, the pro-GM lobby, was influential with the TPP in making sure that low-level presence of GM would be allowed. In other words, a farmer who's trying to market their crops as GM-free might be under threat from the laws within the TPP. At the moment, you get around $50 a tonne more if you market non-GM canola. What they want to do is undermine that so that basically canola is automatically GM whether we like it or not. And as eaters, we don't want to eat GM, so we don't want a low-level presence of any GM. So the TPP is undermining that, and it's also... As we know, solidarity of the people in New Zealand who had some really good rallies against the TPP. They took over the streets and blocked them. And hopefully we'll see that again here. We're campaigning against the, the influential um, pro-GM lobby. Monsanto headquarters down in St Kilda undermines people's right to eat and farm GM-free. And people might have heard about the farmer, Steve Marsh, who just found that he was going to have to pay over $1,000 in court costs for having actually complained about the fact that GM was contaminating his crop. Well, that's just, an, just one point of what we're going to see in the future. If the TPP starts to influence and we get um, the GM crops actually allowed in low-level presence in our paddocks and also in our food... So it's great to be here and hopefully we'll sort of stir up Andrew Robin. And really all these laws just rely on our acquiescence and if we say we're not having it, even though they might bring it into law, we can still stop it. So thanks for having me. This is a bad deal for this country. And if, if it is shown the light of day through public debate, then everyone will see the, the uh, senselessness in signing on to this agreement. So our next speaker is going to be uh, Matt from um, Victorian Trades All Council, who's going to speak. And the Trades All Council's had an active TPP group in there. And another reason why they want to get rid of unions, because there is, if they get rid of unions, who is there to oppose their agenda? It's a complete takeover by the corporations. So put your hands together for Matt from Trades All. Thanks, Kevin. Thanks, everyone. Uh, I'd like to start by acknowledging that we meet on the lands of the Rwandri people and pay my respects to their elders past and present. And it's particularly important to do so because the TPP strips away rights for Indigenous groups. It steals away any rights or any, uh, any, any conditions that they may have, but it also will overwhelmingly affect them when it comes to the issues of health and education. My name is Matt Conkle. I come from Victorian Tradesall Council and we oppose the TPP. We oppose the TPP because it's stealing our democracy away from us. Nobody voted for the TPP and the only people that would vote for TPP are corporations because this doesn't help a single individual in this country except for those millionaires and billionaires who hang out in Point Piper with Malcolm Turnbull and his mates. The key thing for us to understand is that with the TPP, it will, da it will damage our health system. We have one of the best healthcare systems in the world. It will damage our educational uh, institutions. But almost most importantly, it will affect every single person who goes to work in Australia by undermining labour rights and pitting those exploited workers from foreign countries against us in Australia. Now, our struggle is not against those people that come from overseas. Our struggle is against the corporations that would seek to oppress them and to use them to force down the, the wages and conditions of all workers worldwide. 
So if you want a better healthcare system, if you want a better education system, if you want to protect the PBS and Medicare, if you want to make sure the government doesn't sell off all our public institutions, there's only one thing to do, and that's to make sure that Malcolm Turnbull and his Liberal Party and his National Party and his big billionaire backers get thrown out on their ass in this July, August or September, or whenever they get to hold it, but make sure that they don't end up with another four years to, to keep screwing our democracy. Thanks very much, everyone. Thanks a lot, Matt. Well put. So this group, this has been organised by the uh, Union Community Alliance, TPP Union Community Alliance, and one of the um, founding members is going to say a few words too about a public meeting that's been organised um, at the Melbourne Town Hall. So you can put your hands together for Shirley Winton, a tireless worker for the workers. Um, thanks, everyone, for coming. Um, it's uh, been a really uphill battle particularly here in Australia, we've had a total blackout by the media, by the likes of Murdoch and even Fairfax. So we've really had to struggle hard um, to break through, the, to get the information out to, the, to, to people. So I just want to mention um, a couple of things. Um, firstly, just an update on what's actually happening with TPP in Australia. At the moment, because of the double dissolution or the uh, announcement of a possible double dissolution and the budget being brought forward one week, it seems that the J. Scott, that's the uh, Joint Standing Committee on Treaties, which is uh, supposedly uh, to be due to be held on uh, first week in May um, to hear submissions or to hear uh, comments from people, that's been postponed, that's been delayed. Um, it's now these hearings probably they won't take place till perhaps June, and the actual uh, process of ratification won't happen till after the election. So that really gives us another good three months at least to mount a, a, a campaign. So it's really important to build up amongst unions and community the campaign to stop the TPP. And I think we've got a lot to learn from other countries, from the people in other countries who have mounted enormous campaign and more, enormous mobilisations to stop the TPP. Just in New Zealand, we, there were hundreds and thousands of people out in the streets in, the, in February opposing the TPP. Our next um, activity, that's the tra uh, TPP Unions and Community Roundtable Coalition activity, is on 21st of April, a public forum at the Lower Melbourne Town Hall. We'll have several key speakers, including Jet Carney, who's the ACTU president, Jane Kelsey from New Zealand and a long-time campaigner opposing the TPP. Jane Kelsey will talk about, give more details about the TPP and especially the way that the people of New Zealand have mobilised and pushed back their government in, into agreeing to th that uh, the TPP is actually bad. So this campaign is still in its early stages here in Australia and we certainly intend to build it up quite broad and bigger over the next few months. So thank you all very much for coming and I'll hand it over to Kevin. Thanks a lot, Shirley. So this agreement touches so many aspects of our life you know, handing over control to foreign corporations, the, the end of the surrender of the public service in this country, the destruction of our education system, the rapid loss of conditions in, for people who are working, 
So I'd like to thank you all for being switched on and being caring enough to get out here in the early morning, Melbourne. And let's get out to other people because this isn't a done deal. It isn't um, all over. It's very important. And we've also got a few people who attended who paid for the breakfast. How was it nice? Um, we just got escorted out by the police. We didn't get to um, eat our You didn't get to eat your breakfast. Well, that's disgusting because I thought you could ask questions inside and they pay, actually paid for the breakfast. Can you tell us what happened, Susie? Essentially, we were not allowed to enter right from the beginning. Uh, there was no reason given as to why we weren't allowed to enter. Security asked us to leave. We refused. We had rights. We'd bought tickets and um, the police were called. I met Mr Rob Shirley. I ran into him and I shook his hand. I tried to give him a question. He didn't want to read it. Well done, Susie. Sam, would you like to say, say a few words? Hi, everyone. Um, that was really interesting. We went up there. Our intention was to ask questions in the Q&A, um, but they had a photograph of me. <laughs> yeah. They also knew where I was yesterday, um, which is interesting. So... They basically refused our entry because um, Andrew Robb doesn't want to answer difficult questions relating to the sellout of our democracy to corporations. Uh, and we refused to leave. We paid our tickets in good faith. And as Susie said, uh, we didn't get to eat breakfast or anything. And clearly the room is full of old white men um, and they seem to be representing corporations. So it's exactly what we thought it would be. And it's a real shame there was no one inside to ask questions on behalf of the communities and the farmers. They're going to suffer under the ISDS. And um, I, I think it just goes to show how sensitive the government is to community members daring to enter their space and ask difficult questions. And all it does to me is make me more resolved to continue to get in those spaces and try and ask the difficult questions. There is still enabling legislation that needs to be passed. There is still the potential for this to fall over. And Andrew Robb is nothing but a coward and ended up surrounded by the police who walked us basically straight into him on the way out, uh, where we did ask him several questions and he was protected by the police force and ushered away to speak to a room full of people that will not challenge one thing that he has to say. So uh, my lesson from this is keep fighting and keep asking the difficult questions. If they're that concerned that they're tracking people and preventing them from entering public events, then we know that we are on the right track and that we are doing the right thing in terms of questioning what's going on here. <laughs> Across the country on the Community Radio Network, you're listening to Earth Matters with Michaela Stubbs. And I'm a part of a group that organised this protest, the TPP Unions and Community Roundtable. And we're building now for a public forum at the Melbourne Town Hall on Thursday the 21st of April. If you are part of a not-for-profit grassroots group that is active on environmental or social issues, get in contact with us because there will be an opportunity for groups to have an information stall there. We really want to bring more people together and make a plan of action to work together to stop the TPP in its tracks. 
Thanks so much to Martin Baker for joining us on the show and for all the speakers that you heard at the Trans-Pacific Partnership Rally. Earth Matters was produced in the studios at 3CR Radio in Fitzroy, Victoria on the stolen lands of the Wurundjeri people for which sovereignty was never ceded. If you'd like to get in contact with us, our phone number is 039419 our email earthmatters3cr at gmail.com and you can also find us on Facebook with links to the stories that we've covered today and more. If you'd like to listen to the podcast of this show or previous ones, you can go to 3cr.org.au backslash earthmatters. Keep tuning in to Earth Matters every week for more green news from all around the planet. We're talking about ecological thinning and subsidised longing, but we basically mean the same things, don't we, here? Wherever there are chemical corporations around the world, they're constantly trying to chip away at regulations. Earth Matters, bringing you environmental and social justice stories from developments in government and industry to the campaigns and communities that are standing up to them. Produced in the studios of 3CR Melbourne, Earth Matters is broadcast around Australia on the community radio network. While the headlines have subsided, the nuclear power plant is still not under control with the spent fuel rods removed from only one out of four reactors. Law needs to change so that uh, our rights can be recognised, so that decisions in relation to the use and exploitation of our lands is out. Wanna be